Well, hello. <laughs> I said hello and welcome at the same time. So I just basically, I just said hell, I'm sorry. <laughs> My name's Eric. I just want to welcome every one of you that are in the room today, uh, as well as those of you that are joining us uh, online or listening and watching this later on in the week. If you are in the room, I do want to say congratulations. We are the only people in our area without COVID. So uh, thank you very much for avoiding all of that. <laughs> uh, actually, um, there are many people that are sick today. We don't want to take that lightly, but we do want to pray. Uh, but I'm going to be talking through some info before we do all of that. Uh, for those of you that are in the room and for those of you that are online, uh, if you are online, a few of these items might not apply to you. Uh, but many of the things that I'll mention can happen through our website. And first of all, we do want to welcome any guests that may be with us today for the very first time. We are happy to serve you in any way that we can. We would love for you to share your information. Not so that we can bombard you or inundate you with some things, but we want to follow up with you, get feedback from you, and basically partner with you in any way that we can serve you. Uh, anyone, not just guests, can update their info and be added to the email list. And there are two ways uh, to share or to update your info. Uh, first is via the info card. Uh, or electronically on the Uversion app. The instructions to uh, fill out the information on the Uversion app uh, are on the screen here right now. Uh, the app is also useful during our gathering to follow along, uh, to take notes from what you're hearing, and even to give online as well. Uh, there are other ways to give, including going to the back and uh, excuse me, going to the Give tab of our website uh, or via the offering box in the back. If you have questions, if you have feedback for us, if you have ideas uh, or you need prayer, you can always email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. And there are plenty of other ways to engage uh, and connect with us throughout the week as well. Uh, we have wallpapers for your devices. Um, we have a Spotify playlist for you to engage with. Uh, social media platforms, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, devotionals. Um, all of those things can be accessed on our website. You can visit the messages page of a website to access these resources and even more. Uh, if you're interested in taking next steps in your uh, spiritual journey, if you're looking for ways to grow, uh, to serve, uh, to be spiritually coached, uh, you can get water baptized and become a Centerway steward. You can check out the Next Steps uh, booth in the lobby after our gathering or the Next Steps tab of our website as well. Uh, now, here's what to expect for the rest of our gathering time today. Spencer is going to be reading scripture for us. Claude will be communicating from the Bible. And then we'll be responding to God's word uh, in song. Before we go any further, can we spend some time in prayer? Heavenly Father, we do come before you today a thankful people, thankful, Lord God, because no matter where we find ourselves in life, we know that you are faithful. And God, we know that because your word declares it, Lord God. It's not because of the way we feel. It's not because of the circumstances surrounding us or that they're perfect, Lord, uh, but because you are good. You are faithful. We, we trust your word, Lord God. Wherever we find ourselves today, God, I pray that we would hear your voice, that we would know your voice, that we would respond to it in a real and a profound way, Lord God. And Jesus, we ask that uh, you would receive us with open arms today, Lord God. Father, some of us are so weary. Some of us can't even take another step. We need you to wrap your loving arms around us, Lord God. Father, some of us need to be challenged by you. Some of us need to be, uh, to, to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit's leading and guiding and directing in this season. Lord, wherever we are, Lord God, I pray that you would meet us, Lord God, and we give ourselves, we give our lives, we give our hearts to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Eric. 
Uh, we'll be reading Ephesians 1, verses 7 through 10. You can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app on the screens behind me or in one of the scripture journals located in the back of the room. Again, Ephesians 1, verses 7 through 10. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Spencer. So great to be with you all today. Um, as mentioned, if you have not gotten uh, a scripture journal, they're for free right in the back of the room. Snag one. We have bookmarks also, so you're welcome to take one of those. They're for you um, to hang on to as we go through this series um, and through the book of Ephesians. Um, if you'll notice, my voice is a little raspy. Uh, it's because I have a head cold, and I took a COVID test just to be sure that I wasn't one of those people that were like, no, it's just a head cold. Um, so I am negative few, but just so you know, if you're uncomfortable or anything, I'll wear a mask and stay away from you because uh, nobody wants to get sick anyway of anything. <laughs> so, um, But I'm doing well, and we are going to continue in our series, uh, Essential, and we're going to be talking about grace specifically. Today's uh, title is Grace. Have you, uh, have you ever had what's called, this is magical words if you're in your teenage years or childhood years, a do-over, right? You ever hear that? Do-over. <laughs> Man, it was like at every turn about just about everything. If it wasn't going my way, it was an automatic magical claim like do-over. Everyone's like, oh, man, I don't want to do a do-over. I remember one time in particular... I had gotten uh, invited to join my older sister and some of her friends. I mean, like the old kids, the cool kids. Finally, this is my opportunity. I can join them in a game of freeze tag. And so I had made it, you know. And so they're like, yeah, come on, Claude, you can play. And so ready, set, you know, time in. And we all start running. I literally take two steps. Boom, you're tagged. Like frozen. Like this is terrible. They're running around playing. It's like five minutes, ten minutes. I'm like, I hate you people. This is just turning Claude into a statue. This is not freeze tag. And so I'm like, come on, I want to do over. I want to do over. They're like, oh my goodness, fine. Do over. And like in my mind, I'm going to be the best competitor. Like they will not be able to freeze me ever again. Ready, set, go. Claude, you're frozen. What? How in the world did that happen? It was like no matter how many do overs I had, I was just immediately and completely frozen every time. Completely stunk. Just wanted a fresh start. A do-over. So the question I want to ask as we move into the text today is this. Why does a fresh start feel so empowering? Why does it feel so empowering? I think it's as, as humans, whether we're Christian or not, the idea of a clean slate, a fresh start. It feels so empowering because it feels like nothing is determined. It's as if the possibilities are endless. We were headed down a certain path, a specific way, and now all of a sudden, do-over. If I just get a do-over, man, I'm free. I can finally have things go my way. It's this idea of a clean slate. That's kind of in part why I think people are so quick to discuss New Year's resolutions. We love the idea of a New Year's resolution, the idea of a new year, brand new start, fresh start, clean slate, like 2021. Pff, man, that was terrible, but it's in our rearview mirror now. It's 2022. Some of you guys are nine days into this year, and you're like, I hate 2022 already. 
But the fact is, with the new year comes the idea of a clean slate, a fresh start. You see, if we're really honest with ourselves, we want do-overs. We want fresh starts because things aren't going according to our plan. We envisioned something different. When I, when I was joining them for a game of freeze tag, like I thought this was going to be my time to bond with the older kids. Like they, they would accept me into their fold, and instead I became their quick tag. I envisioned it completely different. Some of you look at maybe this year, and you say, you know what, by the time 2022 came around, man, I thought things would be different. I thought certainly by now in my business, by now in my job, in my family, in this relationship, in this workplace, whatever it might be, I just... I thought financially or educationally or something, you just thought you'd be in a different spot. And here you are. In fact, sometimes we even blame God for where we are. It's not just so much a fresh start. It's like, God, don't you know the plan? Like, what is going on here? It's as if before time began, we collaborated with God. And now that we're partway through our life, he's not going according to the plan we wrote together. God, hello, why is this happening? What in the world are you doing? You're not functioning according to my plan here. Plans. Expectations. These are difficult words. Don't get me wrong, they carry excitement with them, right? They also carry a great amount of heartache. This idea of of a do-over sometimes feels like the solution. Man, if I could just do that over again. We kind of romanticize what it is that could be possible if only something could be done over. You know, but it rarely is. It rarely is. In fact, sometimes when we're granted variations of a do-over, we still end up with the same result. (laughs) You're frozen. Seriously? Do-over. You're frozen. Ah, do-over. Frozen. Come on! (laughs) This tension, this tension of our plan, our will, our idea of how things should go, Versus God's plan and will is what the Apostle Paul is addressing in today's section of Scripture. The Apostle Paul, the author of Ephesians, in the first six verses, if you were with us last week, we talked about the first six verses of Ephesians, and Paul was talking about our adoption, which is only possible through the person and work of Jesus. And now he shifts our attention towards our redemption in Christ. Again, remember these first three chapters are about the theological underpinnings of what it is that we need to know and understand for the practical outflow of being a Christ follower in and through our lives. So let's look at verse seven together. It says this, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. His grace. Now, this verse seems rather matter-of-fact, right? However, it's a bit more profound when you look at the original Greek. In him is in reference uh, to Christ, to Jesus. So in Jesus, we have what? That's the part that is profound here. This uh, verb, if you will, of we have is actually in the present active tense. So that means this. It means we have it now and we have it ongoing. So we have this thing, whatever it might be, right now, and we have it tomorrow. So tomorrow when we have it, we'll have it right then, and we'll have it ongoing. So what is it that we have? What is it that is present active tense? It's two things. It's redemption and forgiveness. We have redemption and forgiveness. Because of Jesus, 
We have now and ongoing redemption and forgiveness. We have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of our trespasses. Because of Jesus and his work on the cross, we don't have to be held captive to our past. We get a fresh start. We get a fresh start. That's great news, right? But if we aren't careful in our humanity, we'll interpret that as a do-over to impose our will. Think about that for a second. Sometimes we almost pervert the idea of salvation and this theological reality of the redemptive work of Christ to say, listen, if, if I get a do-over, a fresh start, what that really means is God is giving me an opportunity to impose my will. Our fresh start is about seeing God's will come to fruition in and through our lives. His will. Let's look at verse 9. I'm laying some groundwork and we'll connect all the pieces in a moment. Verse 9 says this, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. There's a lot of him and not a lot of us, right? That's problematic, especially for our Western culture. Like, we're like, no, but me, right? Like, how do I, I mean, isn't this really all about me? Don't I sit in the center of my universe? But, but God is saying, no, according to his will, his purpose that he set forth in Christ. It's his will, his purpose. Listen, God has a plan. God has a plan. It's very important to realize that God has a plan. You might sit back and say, yeah, okay, God's got a plan. But it's more significant than that. When I was in college, um, I was uh, dirt poor because I was in college. And uh, so I would save up money in order to get a meal off campus. And back then, my most favorite meal of all time was a number one, supersized, large-sized, not supersized, that's the wrong company, large-sized at Burger King. It was a Whopper meal, no onion, bacon, cheese, large fries. Cost $3.00. And 54 cents. I know that. I know. I'm old, right? Whatever. <laughs> He's like, what? You can't even buy French fries for that now. <laughs> but in either case, that's what it was. I remember it to the penny. I remember because I used to like go and look for pennies and quarters and I would like get them together. And once I got $3.54 together, I would then beg and plead for someone to give me a ride to Burger King so I could get my favorite meal off campus. I don't know how I stand before you now because I ate a number one so often, <laughs> I should probably be dead. In either case, I just wanted it so bad. And so I remember distinctly several times that I would call a friend and get a ride. And uh, I remember one time in particular, I called my friend up and I said, hey, listen, can you give me a ride to Burger King? Uh, I, want, I want to get dinner. He's like, yeah, sure, no problem. He had a car, so he swung by and picked me up. And uh, we're headed off campus, and all of a sudden he's pulling over. I'm like, what are we doing? He goes, I'm just picking somebody else up. I'm like, oh, all right. I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to Burger King. <laughs> and uh, this girl gets in. And uh, all of a sudden, like, now I have to get in the back seat. I'm like, okay. And she's sitting in the front seat. And we start driving off campus. And uh, she's like, so where are we headed for dinner? And he goes, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I'm like, well, I mean, it kind of matters. I mean, we're going to Burger King. He's like, yeah, I mean, Claude wants to go to Burger King, but whatever. <laughs> what? And she goes, oh, how about McDonald's? <laughs> Excuse me? Whoa, it's like Lucifer got in the front seat of this vehicle. What is happening? What in the Ronald McDonald just happened up here? All of a sudden, this red wig, poof, no, just kidding. 
<laughs> My mind could really run with that one. But in either case, he's like, yeah, I don't care. McDonald's is fine. I'm like, whoa, what? I'm like, no, 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 we had a plan. He's like, no, I don't care. It was just, you know, we're going to dinner. I'm like, I care, dude. Like, I have to the penny an amount of money to get what it is that I want. I have a plan here. And he's like, it doesn't matter. I was like, well, that's fine. And he's like, okay, so you'll get something at McDonald's? I'm like, no. He's like, no. I'm like, no, I will ride to McDonald's. And then when you drop me off at campus, I will go and get another ride so someone who is my friend will bring me to Burger King like agreed upon. And he's like, whoa. She's like, man, you really like Burger King, huh? Like, shut up. (laughs) Like rubbing my gums. Like, come on, I need some Burger King, man. (laughs) I need some sesame seeds. Anyway, uh, in either case, he's like, "You're, you're serious? Like, you're that bad? I'm like, yeah, you're messing with my plan. He's like, all right, fine. So we went to McDonald's because she wanted McDonald's, and she was a girl, so, and a girl he liked. So we went to McDonald's, and I didn't order anything, and then we went through the drive through So we went through the drive through at Burger King, and I got my number one, and in some way, by the miracle of God, I'm standing before you now. The point is this. The same exact thing goes for our lives. It's a picture of the tension of our lives. Now, obviously, the stakes are far higher than Burger King, <laughs> And we need to know that God has a plan because if there is no plan, then we need to fight for our plan. Some of us in this room are fighting for our plan against the God of the universe as if he doesn't have a plan and that the plan is being determined by our willpower. So God, listen, I really want this. I want it so bad. It's part of my plan. If there is no plan, then we need to fight for ours. I mean, don't get me wrong. We don't sound that selfish, right? We don't shake our hand at God and say, my way, my way. We would never do that. Instead, we call it things like, you know, I'm just an individual. It's more individualism. and It's, it's our freedom. And, uh, you know, as teenagers, we expressed that. I mean, no teenagers here, of course, but we adults, when we were teenagers, we would say absurd things like, why in the world would my parents just take my freedom? Why did they hate me? Don't they know? Like, what the heck? I remember times just being convinced that my parents were having little meetings late at night. You know? Hey, let's, uh, let's crush Claude's will. Huh? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I was going to pay the bills. I have a lot of responsibilities, work in the morning. But you know what? You bring up a great point. Let's ruin that kid's life. He wants to do that. Let's say no and just choose something else. Not for a good reason, not for his safety or anything adult-worthy, not because we love him, but for the simple fact that it would be awesome in the midst of all the cares and concerns of the world that we simply destroy his life. I mean, I literally thought, and like I said, no one in here, uh, but it used to be a thought that teenagers would have that parents had nothing better to do than crush the will of their children. Here's the funny thing. We don't grow out of that. We don't grow out of that. We still want our will, and we still wonder why in the world everybody's trying to change our plan. The difference is now our kids are trying to ruin our lives, (laughs) and our bosses are trying to ruin our lives, and our teachers, and our coaches, and all these people. I mean, it's a conspiracy. It's really rough out there. You're probably right about everything. Your plan's probably best. Probably not, right? We're all in the same boat. It doesn't go away. And get this to further complicate things, we live with other humans. Shocker, right? We live with other humans and we collide 
with them as they're fighting for their plan. Every car you get into, somebody else wants to go to McDonald's. (laughs) You're headed this way and they're headed that way and the fight is on, my plan versus yours. We don't grow out of this. We don't step away from it. It's the struggle of humanity. The good news is we don't have to strive because scripture reveals that there is a plan. Will we rest in that plan? Verse 10 says this, as a plan, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. This word plan in Greek means to administrate. It literally means to manage a household, city, or the world. God is saying he has a plan for the world. So as humans, are we free? Or is there a plan? Are we free to make our own choices, to impose our plan? Or is there a greater plan? And the Bible says, yes. The Bible says yes. I love that. I'm like, no, I want, a, a, wait, what? Yes? Of course, there are extremes. Humanly or secularly, if you want to say, secularly speaking, there are extremes. On one side, we have what's called scientific determinism. The definition of scientific determinism is this. Since, since every event in nature has a cause or causes that account for its occurrence, and since human beings exist in nature, human acts and choices are already determined. That's what scientific determinism is. So a scientific determinist, a secular scientific determinist would say free will is an illusion and that humanity is locked into history, that we are just going along for the ride. You think you're making choices, but it all falls in line with what was already determined. It's a fatalistic perspective that believes nothing we can do actually ever changes anything. We're just locked in. Now, that's one extreme. On the other extreme, on the other extreme, we have the humanistic approach, which is this, the future, gosh darn it, is what you make of it. That sounds familiar. In fact, Hollywood has made billions and billions of dollars off of this concept. Listen, you control the future. It's all about whatever you want and whenever you want it. In fact, that's why we love Back to the Future and different, I know I'm really dating myself today, aren't I? (laughs) Different movies like that where it's like, listen, one choice redirects your entire life. You end up at a completely different destination. So choose wisely because every choice has massive implications. The, The future is everything that you make of it. Of course, with this perspective, there's a lot of fear. A lot of fear because every day you're wondering if you've messed everything up. Like, wait, should I have gone there? Should I not have gone there? Wait, should I have talked to that person? Should I not have talked to that person? And we can second guess and re-guess everything. So you have, on one extreme, the plan is entirely fixed. Or, on the other extreme, don't mess up the plan. What's reality? What's reality? I think we find our answer in Scripture, and probably most clearly, we can find it in several places, honestly, but most clearly in Acts 27. 
If you have time and you want to, you can read it. I'm going to summarize what it is that we're talking about. We're actually going to talk about verse, uh, sorry, chapter 27 is about a shipwreck. And it's about the Apostle Paul in a shipwreck. And so the Apostle Paul, who is the author of Ephesians, as we've been talking about, is on a boat. And he's on a boat with soldiers and sailors. And he's actually a prisoner. And uh, he's, to give you an idea of the size of this boat, because you might be like, oh, it's a cute little frickit. I don't know what a frickit is, but it would be sound, sound fun to kind of say. Is that a thing? Frickit? I think it is. Anybody? A boater? A boater? A sailor? A yachtsman? I don't know what I'm talking about. I got to get out of this. Anyway, 276, according to scripture, 276 people are in this boat. All right, so this is not a tiny little boat. It is a large boat. 276 people, and they're in a terrible storm for days and days and days, like a legit terrible storm. Scripture explains it. They're in the midst of wondering whether or not they're going to survive this shipwreck when all of a sudden Scripture tells us that an angel visits uh, Paul. And the angel comes and tells Paul, here's the deal. You will shipwreck. This ship is going to be destroyed. Like, wait, what? (laughs) But all of you will survive. 276 of you are going to survive. So don't worry. Now, this could really mess with your theology, depending on where your theology comes from. Like, wait a second. Who owns this ship? Why would God be all right with the destruction of someone's hard-earned property? My God would never do that. There's a lot of things that can really mess with your mind if you're not considering the fact that God has a plan. And so, This is what happens. Paul goes before this entire group of people, 276 people, and he says, an angel came to me. We are going to shipwreck, but none of us will die. God's plan. God's plan, okay? The storm continues for days after Paul says that. And people get really scared because they're like, maybe we are going to die. And so they start to question God's plan. Like, do we even know who this Paul guy is? Can we really trust what it is that he's saying? Does he really see angels? I didn't see an angel that night. And so they have this great idea. They get out lifeboats and they say, listen, if we're going to live, then let's just get out of here. And so they get lifeboats together. Our plan, right? God has a plan. Things are getting too messy. We don't like it. Impose my plan. Paul says this. He sees them getting the lifeboats ready and he says to a centurion, if they abandon ship, we'll all die. What? Wait, wait, what? Like, that doesn't make sense. Which is it? Either all of us live this shipwreck, or all of us die? Like, because of their decision? So their decision means now we all die? Wait, which is it? Is this God's plan or is it our plan? Yes. Yes. You see, we function in absolutes as humans. To us, it's either all God's plan or it's all our free will. The Bible says it's both. It's both. Let me connect the dots. As humans, get this, God is completely in charge And we are completely responsible for our decisions. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't think I'd hear anybody be excited about that one. Let me say it one more time. It's both in the sense 
that God is completely in charge and we are completely responsible for our decisions. Listen, Paul was aware of the storm, but he had peace in God's plan. He had peace in God's plan. Listen, an angel just said, you're going to get shipwrecked. Now, I don't know about you. I've never been shipwrecked before, but I know that their boats weren't made of steel. And I'm sure 276 dudes running a rock in the middle of the ocean with a huge storm going on isn't going to be pretty. So a lot of people would be like, so define survive, right? Like that's, I would have been like, hey, angel, I have some questions. Um, when you say we'll all live, no, well, we all have use of our arms and legs afterwards. <laughs> like, what exactly does survival look like in this situation? I mean, I'm grateful for it, but can you be more specific? Will we have any lacerations? <laughs> Will I have both my hands when we're done with this? Like, you know, there's a lot of pieces of, of shipwreck, right, that we wouldn't be okay with. And yet, Paul says, I'm at peace with God's plan. Let me ask you, do you have peace in the storms of your life or are you trying to impose your will? (laughs) Oh my gosh, that is tough. That's it, right? That's where the rubber meets the road. That's the nature of life and the struggle of humanity. Are we at peace in the storms of life, knowing that God has a plan, or are we trying to impose our will? This text is telling us to rest in the grace that has been extended to us, to rest in the reality that God is working and has worked on our behalf, that our redemption and our forgiveness is immediate and ongoing, that there's a plan at play, that God has a plan, and There's consequences for our actions. So live your life in line with the gospel. Live your life in line with the gospel, not in the worries and the cares of this world, not in a way to stabilize your plan or to ensure that the way you want your future to play out is the the thing you're gonna, you know, put your stake in the ground and say, I'm gonna fight for that. I'm gonna fight for the way I want my life to work out. Like, really? That's the hill you're dying on? Because you might never get there. You might never get to that place. Isn't there something more eternal? Isn't there a larger meta-narrative that's been woven all throughout history and time about the reality of God's redemptive work, the grace that's been extended to us? You see, God's plan of grace is Jesus going to a cross so we wouldn't have to pay the penalty that our plan leads to. Jesus modeled it in the garden. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's literally crying out to the Lord. He says, can this cup pass? Can this cup pass? He says, nonetheless, your will, not mine. And he submits to the will of God. And he chooses to go to a cross for you and me. He pays the penalty for our sin. He models what it looks like to submit to the will of God when it's hard, when it's not pretty. That's why verse 10 clarifies that all things unite in him. All things are united in Christ. I once heard it said, if your relationship with God falls apart, your relationship with yourself falls apart, and your relationship with others fall apart. Jesus unites all things. 
If you want freedom, you want freedom? It's found in submission to Jesus. Man, that sounds so counterintuitive. It sounds so risky. What do you mean? Like, I have a plan, though. I have a way that I want this to work out. Yeah, but will you submit to your Heavenly Father? Will you trust Him, the Creator? of the universe, and the person that wove you together in your mother's womb, the person that knows you better than you know yourself, that knows the the deep, dark secrets, the, the closet of the sin, the things that you don't even verbalize, that no one on the planet knows. He knows those things and loves you and went to a cross and died so that you wouldn't be captive to those secret, hidden things. Jesus is the answer. We have to process the redeeming grace that should bring us peace. That's how we find peace in this world. It's at the foot of the cross. It's with a deep breath of, God, you've got a plan. And sometimes, I'll be honest, with tears streaming down our face, sometimes broken, sometimes being like, "How, how in the world How in the world did I get here? But you know what, God? You said you'd never leave me and you'd never forsake me. And so you're going to walk me through this. Not because I like it, but because I know that in some way, somehow, you're going to redeem this on the other side. And so walk with me, Lord, as I go through some of the darkest, most difficult days of my life. That's what brings us peace. That's what it is to be a Christ follower. It doesn't mean we run in fields avoiding all the pain of the earth. That's absurd. No one promised that. No one did. And if they did, they promised you a false gospel. It's not about money never ending. It's not about all the stuff. It's not about the white picket fence and all the things. No, it's about a promise that God will never leave you or forsake you, that he's walking beside you and that he's actively redeeming the decisions and choices that others make, that you yourself make that he's working it together for his glory and ultimately your joy. You see, that, the fact that God has a plan, it should bring us peace. Not because we want to be shipwrecked, right? Paul wasn't like, woohoo, run her aground. (laughs) No, there was a peace. God's with us. We don't know what's going on, but he does. So we're going to stay here till he says we're done. Because we experience that grace, we should in turn extend it to others. That's why. We don't conjure up. We don't conjure up some some attempt to try to to convert people or something where we're trying to sell them something. Like if if you're here for the first time hearing about Jesus, we're not trying to convince you to, to follow some mythical character. It's not about conversion to something. It's about the idea of us experiencing the grace of God and why in the world would we not extend that? And here we come into a new year and we're around the holidays and it's amazing. It's amazing how around the holidays We interact with loved ones and family members that we will not extend grace to. We profess Christ. We walk in the grace that God has given us. We will not extend it to others. We withhold forgiveness. We withhold grace. Why? Because they stepped on our plan somewhere. They they infringed upon our plan. I mean, how dare they? 
In fact, I don't even remember what the issue was. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can't even remember the violation, but we can't give them grace. I, I don't know how Christ followers who have experienced the truth of grace and peace and the awareness of that which Christ has done and the forgiveness and the redemption that we walk in, how we could ever withhold that from other people. I want to challenge you today. If you, if you are withholding forgiveness, if you are unwilling to extend grace, then there is a part of you that has not experienced or understood the grace and the truth of the gospel. And you, But... But they hurt, but they hurt me. You don't understand. Oh, I understand. I understand. Well, we were enemies of God. Sinners. He died for us. Knowing the wretchedness of our heart, he laid down his life. And so if we have been forgiven of so much, how could we not forgive? We need to learn to extend grace to others. We say every week the text requires something of us. And so I want to challenge you with this question. Who is God asking me to extend grace to? Who is God asking me to extend grace to? For some of you, the answer might not be quite as easy because you might think of my example and say, well, I'm not really withholding forgiveness from anybody. I don't know that I can really think of anybody. I want to challenge you to think a little bit deeper. So if you would, everybody, if you just bow your heads and if you want, you can close your eyes, but at least bow your heads so you're not distracted as the worship team makes their way forward. I want to challenge you today. Maybe the person that you need to extend grace to is yourself. The first maybe being a willingness to surrender to God. You've been trying to impose your plan and your will in your life and it's been coming up short at every turn. And so maybe today is the day where you just surrender to the Lord. Where you lay your life down and say, okay, I've been trying to be the leader of my own life, but God, would you just come and be the leader of my life? Today there's no um, magical prayer to be prayed or things to be repeated it's just as simple as this. If you want, wherever you find yourself, whether you're live in the room, well, I assume you're live if you're in the room, whether you're present in the room, oh, that was fun. That's all right. I made them laugh anyway. At least you weren't distracted by either of us. We both did. It's all right. We're, we're in this together, Sandra. Don't worry. Let's recapture the moment. We're all friends and family here. Let's think about it. If today you're wanting to surrender to the Lord, Wherever you find yourself, you can just repeat a variation of this prayer. Lord, I'm a sinner, but you died for my sins. Would you come and be the Lord and leader of my life? Would you forgive me? I want to walk in your grace. That's you today, some variation of that prayer. Begin a relationship. And, and if you're praying that prayer and you're online or you're l listening or watching later, I encourage you, please reach out to us by uh, email, or even through our website. If you're here today, we'd love to have a conversation with you following this gathering, maybe even at the Next Steps area. Eric will be out there. Love to talk to you about the next steps. 
For others of us in the room, if you've prayed this prayer before, maybe you still need to extend grace to yourself. Maybe you're sitting here beating yourself up pretty hard. And maybe the person that God wants you to extend grace to is yourself, that you would realize the forgiveness and the redemption available from God to you. You don't have to relive the the sin and the brokenness and the poor choices, that God has a plan, that he's actively redeeming the decisions that you've made. Maybe it means submitting your plan to his will. Maybe it's extending grace to others. And maybe there is a person that you need to to call up or to text and just say, hey, I, I don't really know what's even between us. I can't even remember. And I'm sure you do and And if you do, I'd love to talk to you about it. But whatever it is, for whatever I own of that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can we move beyond it? If you can't do that, I want to tell you that's pride. And I'm speaking from a place of pride where I have been like, listen, no, but they were wrong. (laughs) But God doesn't hold our wrongs against us. And so would you lay it down? Would you extend grace to others? Maybe for some of you in the room, you're saying, yeah, none of that really connects or resonates with me, and that's okay. But I want to tell you, the text requires something of you, and so maybe it's sharing his grace with others. Maybe your action today is to look at the sphere of influence and to consider the people that are striving to impose their plan in so many different areas of their life and they're coming up short and they're striving and you have the answer. And so would you choose to be an influencer to talk about the the story of your life, the grace that God's awarded to you? Let's consider God's grace and then respond in worship in just a moment. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We pray, Holy Spirit, would you lay on our hearts what it is that we're to do that we wouldn't simply hear the word, but that we would act on it, that we would be people of action, that we would apply the truth of your word to our everyday, that you would do a work in this and surrounding communities for your glory, and that we would simply declare ourselves available, participate in the redemptive work that you're doing. In your name we pray.
songs have just been declarations about God's goodness and His love and what He does with our brokenness. And this last song is called Run to the Father. And there's a lot of eyes and knees and mys in it. And it's not a song, type of worship song that we love to sing a lot about because frankly, our worship is not dependent on what we think about God. Worship is dependent on who God is. But we do feel like there's a place for this type of song to, to say, God, I've carried this burden for so long. And I know that there's some of us here that as you're hearing this message, it's, it's, it's almost hard to let it sink into your heart because you feel too broken or too far gone. Or maybe you can't declare, I once was blind, but now I see because you still feel blinded for whatever reason. But we wanted to tell you today, there's a place that you can run to again and again and again. I run to the Father, I fall into grace. And it's a very symbolic song, lots of imagery in it, but there's a truth to it that we just need to come back to the feet of Jesus daily, again and again and again, and experience his mercy and experience his grace. So would you sing this with us?
after I'm done closing us in prayer. And so if you want to just remain in this place, if you'd like prayer for anything, I'll be available. Um, and uh, there's others that can pray with you as well. If you want to know about next steps, you can go out to the, the table out there in the lobby and uh, Eric will be there. I just want to seal some of what we've heard in, in prayer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful. We're so grateful that we serve an intentional God. Lord, that you are intentional with your love towards us. That you have a plan. That you have a will and a purpose. And Lord, I pray for every person in this room and, and everybody that would hear or see this message, God, that they would spend more energy running towards you than away. Father, that we would loosen our grips on our plans, on our will, that we would run after yours, that we would rest in your grace and your redemption and your forgiveness, Lord, that that would give us perspective on everything and everyone we interact with in this world. God, we're so grateful. We're so grateful for who you are for that which you've done and we just declare ourselves available for all that you would want for anything that you would want we lay it all at your feet we say your will not ours in your name we pray amen amen God bless you as you go if, uh, if you have any questions like I said you can feel free to remain and um, you can also just feel free to remain and worship a little bit longer if you like otherwise we'll see you next week excited to uh, to be together again